uh, we, we've recently, we wanted to introduce someone who's joined our team uh, as, as an internship, uh, intern from uh, D, Denver Seminary. <laughs> from D, nah. I was going to say DU, I'm like, I don't know if that's where you go. No, she goes to Denver Seminary. And uh, this is Hannah. Say hi, Hannah. Hannah Paschel, P-A-C-H-E-L, Paschel, Hannah Paschel, P-A-C-H-A-L. I don't know how to spell your name. Okay, I said it right, but I spelled it wrong. And uh, so she's joined us just recently, and she's going to be helping uh, this guy a lot uh, with a lot of administrative tasks and other things. So we're delighted that she's able to join our team. And uh, as part of, and also uh, she's, she's finishing up her, her degree at Denver Seminary, which is exciting. And, uh, but we get to reap a lot of the benefits of the skills that she has. And, uh, yeah, just be a partner and extension of our team. So I'm going to let John say a few words. And then Alan, is Alan in here? Um, Alan, can you come up? And we're just going to, we're going to pray for her real quick. And we'll uh, move forward. Hey, um, just, we were looking just, you know, this as a, Part of our growth, we needed to grow in uh, in administration. We need to grow in knowledge. And uh, Hannah's coming on part of our team, and she's a she's a perfect. She's been such a good fit. I am so grateful for you. Honestly, we've been going through meetings, and we've been growing in structure. And there's a lot of things that are going on in the backside of of uh, how we run uh, this church. Uh, but I want you guys to know that I want you to pray for her. I want because uh, she she God has called her to be a part of the leadership of uh, the church as a whole. You know, as as we as we moving forward into this new into culture, and I just believe God has gifted her, and I'm just so glad that you're part of our team. And so what we're gonna do, you guys are gonna pray with us. We're gonna pray for Hannah, and she's gonna be with us for the next. Uh, several months and we're going to pray for her growth and our growth together and that we could uh, bless the body of Christ and that the body of Christ could bless our city that we can go out there it's not so that we can do something just here so that we can reap the benefits but the benefit is that we are equipped that our hearts are equipped that our minds are equipped that our hands are equipped with even uh, what we're giving here today so that we can make an impact on our city that we can bring the light of Christ, the tangible love of Christ into our city. So let's pray. I want Alan to pray for Hannah. And uh, I want you guys to just lift your, uh, your hands up and just stretch your hands out to Hannah. And uh, we'll go from there. You want to say anything, Hannah? Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I, everyone has said everything that could be said probably. I'm Hannah, and I'm a student at Denver Seminary. And I, if I haven't met you already, feel free to come introduce yourself. I'm a little iffy with names. It takes me a couple times. So if I have met you and you don't think I remember, just reintroduce yourself. But I'm so excited to be here at Hill City, and I think it'll be a great opportunity. You guys have something really cool and really special here, and I just really appreciate even being able to be a part of the church. So I'm really excited. Father God, we know you've brought Hannah to our into our gathering, Lord, that this is your will, Lord. We're going to learn as much from her as, as she learns from us, Lord. We know that we want nothing more than to further the gospel, Lord, to reach reach the lost, to reach those in poverty, Lord. We want this to be a, a partnership, Lord, that for years to come, no matter how long she's here a few months uh, or years, Lord, that this is a partnership in your kingdom, Lord, that the gospel is going to be furthered, Lord. People are going to be reached. The, the lonely are going to be talked to, Lord. The poor are going to be blessed, Lord, that the, 
the lost are going to be saved. Lord, just use this time. Help us to equip her and help her to equip us, Lord. We know that it took us so, so long to come to the point where we knew this was the right thing, Lord, that this was the right person. Lord, we ask you to bless her and, and bless this congregation as we work together for your gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for the offering, and thank you. We have some very handsome young men helping us today. Um, God, thank you for the today, God. We thank you for uh, for Hannah and for joining our team. And uh, God, we just again, we, we just uh, we truly implore your Holy Spirit, God, and uh, we take that in right now. And uh, bless our offering. Bless this church, God. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for your, uh, your giving. Good morning. Oh, man. We need some energy. I know it's springtime. I know it's springtime, but good morning. You know, uh, just if you're a guest, thank you for being here. I, I see some guests around here, and I, I hope that you guys got greeted and that uh, you guys feel welcome. More than anything, you know, we, we just... Uh, Man, we want you to know that you guys are welcome. And, uh, of course, there's guest cards right in front of you. If there's, there's an invitation card, should be in front of all the seats. Please take one of those and invite someone. I told you that every week I'm going to ask you to do that. Uh, because if we invite one person a week in this room, we would invite more than 10,000 people a year to, this, uh, to uh, join us in, in what God is doing, in his, in his um, story in his gospel, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so make sure that you look through your programs. There's things coming up. Easter's coming up. And if you want more information, also you can download our app on, uh, of course, Google or on, on, uh, on iOS. It's iOS? No. On the Apple App Store, at the Apple App Store uh, under Hill City App, Hill City App. But we're on part three of our series, Identity. Can you say Identity identity what our identity determines our activity we talked about that what we believe about god and what we believe about ourselves determines how we live and so we're going through the book of first peter and this is the third part of it and peter is writing to the scattered church and when, when he says scattered church, he's not just saying this church is everywhere, but they're running. They're scattered. They're hiding because it's heightened persecution. They're suffering because of their belief, because of their faith, because of their convictions. There was Nero. He's, he was Caesar at the time, and he burns down Rome. This is what's going on. He literally starts to burn down parts of the city, and we learned this in a world history class when we were in middle school, right? He burns down Rome because he was a little crazy. We, he's a little crazy. But then they, uh, there's some backlash. There's a problem when you burn down people's houses and businesses and kill people because you want to make some more room so you can build monuments, right? So there's a problem, and people come against him. So he, he makes the scapegoat, and he blames the Christians. And so it heightens persecution. It heightens dark times. Yet, say yet, that's a, that's a crazy word, yet, according to historians, this is when the church exploded. At the height of persecution, during the hardest times, and Paul read that, they were gathering together, they were praying, they were seeking God because they had to. They couldn't be like, I'm going to do, just do my own thing. No, they had to gather together. They, they said, this is all I have, man. This is all I have. This is what we're going to eat for this week, I guess. Right? During the height of persecution, the, th uh, the church 
thrived. And it was, I'm not talking about church as an organization. There's a bunch of people meeting in houses like, I, you made it this week. Right? You made it. You didn't die. Right? Persecution was the seed of the church. It's an interesting, interesting understanding. The pressure cooker that caused the church to actually live as the church that Jesus set forth and they flourished was persecution, was the pressure. And there's a great book written by Rodney Stark. It's called The Rise of Christianity. If you need to check out a cool book to read about Christian history, this is a good one, right? Professor Stark, he's a sociologist. He's an expert at comparative religions, a researcher. And he actually began his research not as a Christian, but now he is one. It's very interesting, right? Things have changed for him as he was studying the, this comparative religions. But this is what he emphasizes. Because of Christian persecution, the people had to depend on one another. Deepening communal bonds, they got more united and more fervent about their convictions. Christian communities became known for their care, for the marginalized, known for their fervor, their love. The orphans were abandoned due to the lack of means or disability or even being a girl. They were being cast out because women at the time lacked rights. They couldn't vote. In Roman society, they were seen as possessions, sexual objects. And, and then here comes Peter. He writes that women are co-heirs in the kingdom of God in, in, second, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, right? Which was a revolutionary statement. The widows at the time, because they were women and their husbands were killed, had no means of survival. So the church took them in also. Then, here's, here's the kicker. Then the great plagues came, right? People, the population of Rome was being decimated. Yet while the people were fleeing, while rich Romans were fleeing the city, Christians stayed to take care of those who could not care for themselves, even at the detriment of their own lives. Think about that. Creating hospitals and orphanages and the community began to grow and continue to grow. The counterculture, they just lived differently. They believed Jesus they actually believed them. And this counterculture played a role of the explosion of the church. They believed that eternity didn't start one day, but it started now. They believed that they should live differently, that this world is not their home. And they were brave, trusting God wholly for their outcome in the face. And, and Peter writes it, I believe, in chapter 4 of fiery trials. When we l listen to those words, fiery trials, we think, oh, yeah, they're really bad. No, Peter's talking about like, no, the people are being lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, it was fiery trials, like for real, right? They, yet they held to their convictions. And with this in mind, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. All right, we celebrate the word of God because the word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. See, Peter is daring Christians to live out what they say. And I believe he's daring us today because more than ever, we need to hear these words. To live differently, to respond differently to suffering, to be a counterculture, to treat your enemies with love. Listen to this. 
right? To hold tighter into community when you're going through pressures. To dive deeper into life than you've ever had before. See, Christianity is not escapism. It's not Willy Wonka's ticket to heaven. It's actually to take what Jesus said and to dive deeper into life than we've ever had before. To look at someone and see their beauty because they're made in the image of God. They're just not your neighbor. They are spiritual beings. They're eternal beings and they're the most spiritual thing you might ever see in your life. When we see them, to live out this kind of conviction. And our convictions don't come from what just culture is telling you, oh, these should be your convictions. Our convictions come from Jesus, who is the Logos, who is the Word of God. See, in chapter 1, Peter tells us, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. So our convictions, say convictions, our convictions come from the Word of God. I'm going to tell you that again. We don't make up our convictions Christians. Our convictions come from the Word of God. It comes from the Logos. It comes from Christ. And, they, and they're more than feeling. They're more than beliefs. See, beliefs is the acknowledgement of truth, but convictions is the demonstration of that truth. Belief is the acknowledgement. Oh, I believe that's true. Yeah, what happens when you're going through it? Do you stick to that truth? Is it just a belief or is something, is that the hill we're going to die on? Is Jesus, like, we're all in, right? Like, I've, I've put, it's, it's, it's the pearl of great price. I won't go into that because I'll go on a tangent, all right? But is, 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 it our, is, is our faith a, con, a belief or is it our conviction? Think about that for a moment. Chew on that. See, conviction is belief lived out. You take action with it. And we can have the cool Jesus mug and straight up speak Christianese and have all the theological know-how, but conviction comes under pressure, right? Just like the early church. Is your faith convenient or is it conviction? Is our faith, is my faith, and I ask myself this this week, is my faith convenient or is it my conviction? Who are you when things don't make sense? Who are you when you don't feel it, like Jen was singing today? Can we still worship God when we're not feeling it? Right? Can we, it, it's like in marriage, do you still, are you still like husband and wife? Do you still like push when you're not feeling it? Because guess what? And this is maybe for the newlyweds. You, you're not going to feel it all the time. There's, a, there's seasons where you don't feel it for a long season. You're like, ugh. And, you, and Candace looks at me and says, ugh. Lord, change him, <laughs> right? Who are you when you don't feel it, when people fail us or when you fail? And Peter told us last week, if you missed last week's message, he says, grow up in your salvation. Grow up, right? For some of us, we've been adolescents in our faith for so long. And when I say this, some people, it hits home, right? I call it arrested development. We've been at the same place for too long, and we've been like, that's all right. That's all right. And here comes Peter in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. He's like, that's not all right, man. you got to grow up in your salvation. And this is not John talking, so just don't come against me, right? This is, this is Peter talking, the dude who walked with Jesus, who got yelled at by Jesus, called Satan by Jesus. He's like, dude, I needed to grow up. 
And he's saying, you, in your salvation, you've been, you, you've been drinking milk for far too long. You need to grow up in your salvation. You have to develop. You can't stay the same. If our kid was two years old and they stopped growing, we would say, something is wrong. We'd go to the doctor. We would have to change what they're feeding them. But sometimes in our spiritual lives, we, we, we are adolescents and we stay the same and we stop feeding ourselves. We stop going to the doctor of our souls. We stop going back to the gospel and saying, I can, I'm going to go back to how you saved me. I'm going to, I want to remember what you did so I can move forward. God, help us move forward. There is a world right in front of us that needs you so bad. They don't need me. They need you. I can't change your world, but you can. I can't bring the gospel into all places where you are, but you can. You, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then he tells us you are the light of the world. We no longer can live in past victories. Our salvation must grow up and hold to our convictions, hold to God's word, deal with our sins, lean into Christ, and be the community of Jesus. Not what we think is best, but what Jesus told us is best. Be the church. Be the church that Jesus had in mind. Here's how Peter puts it. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. He says, finally... And he's going to be strong. All of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Don't repay one issue and add another issue or one sarcastic comment and add another sarcastic comment and one silent treatment for another silent treatment. Anyone with me, right? You get mad, you're like, I ain't talking to you. Um, I'm not talking to you. Let's see who breaks first. How ridiculous, right? We got to grow up, he's saying. Don't try to get even. There is no such thing as even, especially for you marrieds. Please, don't try to get even. A marriage relationship is a relationship, I read this week, of two losers. They're all good with losing because they want their marriage and their family to be winning. All right? So we're going to step into this. At our job, sometimes this means we take the brunt of the work and the pressure. We support those we work with and manage. We don't pass the buck, pass the blame to shine in front of someone. We work and make sacrifice for the common good. We live out the gospel at work. We take on Jesus' culture at our work. On social media, people are trying to always one-up, right? Now, we don't, we don't even treat people like humans on social media, but in reality, we're playing this game of gotcha. But in reality, it shows how insecure we are and how easily offended we are. Peter says, I'm not saying it. I'm just, I'm just telling you what Peter says. Peter says, grow up. Grow up. We have to grow up at some point. In all areas of life, we don't repay insult for insult, punch for punch. The goal is not winning. I love the quote of Martin Luther King Jr., and you've heard this. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness into the night already devoid of the stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So on verse 9, Peter says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because, because to this you were called, to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. This is what you were called to do. 
This is your calling as followers of Jesus. It's not just belief. This is conviction, showing the difference that Jesus makes in our lives, the counterculture. This is the mark of your heavenly father in your life. And guess what? When our world sees the church, and that what I mean is followers of Jesus living this counterculture, they take notice. They do. They take notice. Showing the difference that Jesus makes. And it comes from understanding in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we're still sinners. When you didn't care about Jesus and you smeared his name in the mud. While we were far from Jesus, that's when Christ died for us. Not when you were all cleaned up. Listen, 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 listen. Not when you were all cleaned up. But at your worst God was at his best. That's the grace of God. That's the gospel. I don't know about you, but I am messy, but I was extra messy. I don't know about your life. And I'm not saying be like me. That's, I, that's why I, I, I don't, I'm, gonna look, I'm looking for my kids, right? I don't even tell my kids my whole story yet because I don't think they're old enough to know how messy that is, Right? And may, maybe I needed to, maybe that's my immaturity, but I have done some dark things in my life. And I always say to myself, like, I should not be here. I should not stand here. It is but by the grace of God. When I was at my worst, God was at his best. And the older I get in faith, the more I realize how holy God is, not how awesome I am. Even though I'm growing, I'm like, God, you're, you're even more holier than that. I love it. I love the words of uh, 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 Pastor Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. And he wrote this. If someone thinks ill of you, if someone's talking trash about you, don't believe them. You're much worse. <laughs> I was like, truth, bro. <laughs> you're much worse. So in knowing this, you are called to a new life. If God is so good, that, if God is that good, you are called into this new life. You're like, I can't believe you're loving me. I can't believe it. So I'm going to step into my identity of who you called me to because I believe you over believing me. See, Jesus is our role model. And when we begin to repay evil with blessing, guess what? Again, our world takes notice. I'm not saying be perfect, but I'm saying live out your convictions from the word of God and the life of Christ. And he says, be pa compassionate and humble. That's so important. Be humble. Be compassionate. It's more than a feeling. It's our conviction that no matter the cost, I choose to follow Jesus, to conspire with Jesus, to bring heaven into my world. To st and starting with me, it starts with me. Say, it starts with me. So here's an application for us. I'm going to read from verse 10 to 13. It's, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, but his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Think about that. So you first, you got to hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. I know some of us, we're the flip. We're fast to speak, fast to be angry, right? And, and fast and slow, slow, slow to listen. And sometimes we use our words like a battle axe, don't we? 
Like we come into the room and we just say some stuff. We want to clear the room, right? And then we say things without thinking, and I'm included. I say crazy. I'm like, why did I say that? You ever leave, like, an uh, interaction with someone, and you say, that was, why did you say that, John? And then you think about it all the time, and then you think about it for days, and then you call them. You're like, I am so sorry I said that. Hey, it's like, that's on me. I still, I still need to apologize because we're still responsible for our words. See, when we use our words carelessly and then we look around, we leave a trail of pain and hurt. And early in, uh, in my marriage, that was, man, our marriage was full of painful words because I did not know how to control my tongue. It was my way to win. Say really something really hateful and see if she would stop coming after me, right? <laughs> see if I can, it was my manipulative way. And some of us, we still use that way. Some of our kids use that, and I tell my kids, you got to stop. you got to stop, uh, you know, because especially my middle child, I, w- I won't say his name, uh, but you guys all know him. He, he can say some mean stuff, man. I'm just like, sometimes I want to laugh, but I don't. I, I laugh internally, like, <laughs> right? But it, I was like, that was rough, man. That's rough words, and we always tell him, your words are rough. It's, it, it's going to hurt. It hurts people. You can't use it like that, right? Your words can bring life. It can bring death. So be, don't thoughtlessly just sling your words. Words have power. Jesus even told us, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks, right? Your words show everyone the status of your heart. And I'll ask you, how's your heart? How's the status of your heart? So be humble. Be compassionate. Learn. Hold your tongue. Number, it's a second. Turn from evil and do good. Turn from evil, y'all. Turn. Don't just sit there and like, I'm good. I think I'm strong enough. Peter's like, turn. You better run, my friend. Turn from evil. Don't just stay there. Run from it. Listen, there are some things, people, websites, drinks, that we need to run from. You got to turn, man, and get healthy. You can't be around it. Some of us, we can't be around certain things. And when you turn, don't just take something out of your life. you got to feel that too, right? If, you take an, uh, if you've been going to the bar scene every night and then you're like, oh, I'm going to just do something, something different, you better feel it. Or you, every night you're going to be like, man, I wish I was at the bar, right? I wish I was uh, taking another drink. you got to fill it with something. Fill it with good people. Fill it with people that bring you life. I drink copious amounts of coffee, Coffee, right? I drink all sorts of crazy coffee. Ask Candace, right? I have different coffee makers. I'm very weird uh, because I had a history of drinking too much. That's right. And so I, I turned from that. Some of us, we have lust issues, so GOT might not be a good idea, right? It might not be your best Get off the computer at night. Turn it off and fill it with something else. Keep yourself accountable. Do something. Fill yourself with something. There are some things you're not strong enough to deal with alone. You need people and you need God's word. You need both. And third, seek peace and pursue it. This is the hardest one, I think. Sometimes we can hold our mouth. We can even turn from evil. But, man, when some people are hurting us, we can't pursue peace. Seek peace and pursue it. Peter says, don't give up on doing it God's way, right? Because there's moments where you're like, I did it your way, now it's my way. It's time for the sledgehammer, right? It's time for the battle axe to come in. And he said, no, you got to pursue it when it's hard. 
with your coworkers, with your mom, with your husband, friend, dad. Seek peace to make it better, to work it through, not to shut them out or to shut it down. You seek the good for them and continue to pursue it when it's hard. And this is hard. This is hard. But this is the mark of your heavenly father. This is what makes you different. At the end of the day, you trust God over outcome. You can't control others. You can't control bad situations. And all of us, it's going to hit us at some point, but you choose your convictions to stand on. This is the hill that I'm going to die on. I will not waver on this. I trust you, God. Verse 13 to 16, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Then he answers himself. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Say, you are blessed. This is really important. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, Master, God of your life. Submit it to him. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you or good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter never said, do good things so good things will happen to you. Or give to the poor so God will take care of you. Be a good person so you can be blessed. This is what he says. He says, you have a Lord in heaven. You are already blessed. So stand on your convictions in God's words, even in suffering, because we have a hope, a calling, and, a, and we're already blessed. Say, already blessed. And you're like, well, John, what does that even mean, already blessed? And that's what I'm going to describe to you. Everyone, for everyone in this room and online, right, here, the, here's the good news, plain and simple. If you are in Christ, you are already blessed. God, who is perfect and holy, made you and loves you, yet we are messy. We are messed up, man. We have sinned by lying, by cheating thinking I don't need God. We let our egos fly off the handle. We let pride take over, trying to be our own God, using and mistreating people, using and mistreating God, even using and mistreating God's word for our benefit. And this breaks God's heart, and this breaks God's law and his ways. Therefore, there's a judgment on us because we serve a holy God, and sin demands a judgment just straight up, right? Because God is holy, Yet God loves us so much. He loves you in this room. He loves me in my craziness so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Listen, God loves you so much. I mean it. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. I don't know where you are, what you've been thinking, what you've been going through this week. God loves your marriage so much. God loves your children so much. God loves you so much. Much that he sent his son to pay for your penalty of sin. He was crucified on a Roman cross to show the full price of our sin, which is death. Yet Jesus, he rose physically from the dead three days later, according to eyewitnesses, according to historians, and even according to his enemies. Man, dude, study that. 
he split time in half from B.C. to A.D., changing everything, proving his sacrifice was acceptable to his father. Because of Jesus, we can be with God. Because of Jesus, the old man can pass away. Because of Jesus, we have new life in Christ. So if we're here today, and maybe this was the first time you've ever heard this before, you stepped into this place, you didn't even know what to expect. You know you need Jesus in this place. If this is you, you know that you're far from God. You know you've been running, and you feel that you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart to saying, come home. And for some of us, you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and the Holy Spirit saying, you better step up. You better grow up now. This is getting serious now. Would we respond to the Spirit of God? Let's stand. Let's stand today. Just take a moment with our heads bowed. Would you respond to Jesus? Asking Jesus to forgive you. If you're out there and you know you're far from God and it's by the decisions that you've made, would you ask, would you confess? Jesus, forgive me. Ask him to be the God of your life. Ask him to make you a new creation. Ask him to renew your mind. Ask him, there's so much pain I've been holding on in my mind and I have to let it go because it's just taking over me. Would you respond to Jesus? Confess your sins, your past, your anger, your unforgiveness, your addiction, your pride. Let me tell you, he can take it. He's not surprised. He's been waiting for you all this time. For those who've been a believer for a while, Jesus, I need you. I've been trying to do it myself. God, my faith, my belief is just paper thin, God. If that's you, own it. Own it. God, there is no mark of my Father in heaven in me. I respond like everyone else. There's no counterculture in me. Own that. Confess that. So that we can take the next step of being like Christ. The next step of inviting him into all aspects of our lives. It's time. Heavenly Father, just take a moment. Man, make your moment. Don't let this moment pass. need to confess your sins, confess them. For some of us, it's time to move past beliefs to conviction. Don't wait till you feel it or you're ready. Rather, be always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Hold to the convictions of God's Word. And I believe when you start living and I live 
our convictions, our world will take notice as we become a counterculture. You, you are already blessed. Now live in that blessing. Live in the fullness of that blessing. Eternity starts now. Follow Jesus now. And like Peter says, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You messed up, don't give up. Let's come back home. You messed up, you're hurting, let's, get, let's bring it in front of Christ and let's sur- get ourselves surrounded by a community of Christ that can help us up again. You're, you're, you're second. God is the God of second, third, fourth chances. He loves you. He wants you to, he wants to still use you. He still wants to speak through you. He wants to love through you. His, he wants heaven to come through your life because it shows who he is. It shows that he can use anyone, even use someone like me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today, Lord God, as we confess our sins, Lord God, our past, Lord God, we just say, I can't carry this any longer, Lord. I need you to help me carry it. I want to step into the new life that you have, Lord God, and I can't earn it. I can't, I can't grab it myself. I need you to come into my life today. I need to make you Lord of my life, Savior of my life, and I pray that today as you empower the church with this freedom from the gospel, Lord God, from the life of Jesus, Lord God, I pray we leave here, Lord God, to be light. Lord God, we leave here to be a counterculture. We leave here to be salt, Lord God. Let your word, Lord God, marinate, Lord God, our lives, our heart, Lord God. And let's dive deeper, Lord God, into this life, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, we're up here to pray for you. And we're always here to pray for you. Man, but live a counterculture. Be a counterculture. God bless you guys.